Hello and welcome to the Inside Social Work podcast, where we take a peek behind the scenes into different fields of social work, engage and inspire practitioners, translate research into practice and encourage lifelong learning. I'm your host, Marie Vakakis. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the Inside Social Work podcast. This is episode six. I hope you enjoyed the last episode where I was interviewed by Vittorio Cintio. We had a dual podcast uh, interview session where we talked about our reasons for becoming social workers, some of the challenges in the field, and some of the ideas we had about working with people and working with other social workers. So if you haven't caught that, feel free to check it out after you listen to this week's episode. In today's episode, I'll be doing a solo episode looking at boundaries in social work. This is a particularly interesting topic for me and during my research for this episode I had a look through some of my own text, my old um, textbooks and really noticed that none of them had anything specific around boundaries. So I found it interesting that something so fundamental to our work wasn't explicitly taught. Um, We discussed it here and there as boundaries being important Uh, We need to have good boundaries. We need to put boundaries in place with clients. But I don't remember ever being taught how to do that and what good boundaries are. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about how to build close and trusting relationships with clients while maintaining professional boundaries and then a little bit about how to protect your own personal boundaries when it comes to your workload, to negotiating with friends, family, colleagues, peers, around just how much you can or can't take on at any given time. So one of the things that comes to mind is what are professional boundaries? What are client relationships? And what's an ethical boundary to have within those dynamics? And often it makes me think about when I ask someone why they got into social work or why they became a counsellor or why they work in a particular mostly allied health field, the answer usually centers around an interest in wanting to help or improve the lives of others. So we're often working with people and most of us listening would have that feeling of being helpers, being a source of resources for other people. Um, we often get called you know, do-gooders, motivators of change, sometimes more negative things like we take children away from their parents and other stereotypes. So and we have a lot of different roles and a lot of different responsibilities. And to move clients forward, we must engage them in a process of change. So just um, to clarify a couple of things. So for the purpose of this podcast, I'll be referring to the word to clients. But it's a generic term. So for you, it might be a client, a patient, a service user, a guest, a participant, uh, a whole range of different words. I'm just going to be using the word client here to make things a little bit simpler for me. So a bit of a brief introduction to the topic of boundaries. It's really deep and complicated and it's I see it as one of the cornerstones of social work. How do we create safe, open and transparent relationships while being clear with clients about what will happen in any given situation. And I think that's one of the, I guess, fundamental pillars of what I consider to be uh, good boundaries is having those open relationship where people know where they stand and what they can expect from you in a particular situation. 
I want to talk a little bit about management of transference and counter-transference. Um, and we can't ignore these as important factors. So what we are experiencing as workers, uh, if we're at risk of burnout, if we're experiencing something personal that might be impacting on our work, that's really important to understand and to work with on how you put up appropriate boundaries to keep yourself safe and also the people that you're working with safe. So a lot of workplaces will have guidelines and rules about what's ex expected and what's acceptable behaviour um, by workers in your workplace. So, you know, it's simple. It could be simple things like being good at your job and acting within the expectations placed on you. But when I'm looking, when I'm talking about boundaries in this um, episode, I'm looking at it's more on how you work with clients, how you manage and conduct yourself and how you manage your emotions. So it's, it's more around that interaction with clients that I'm looking at um, setting up some really good boundaries around. We have to remember that for, for many of us, if not for all of us, we will always be considered a position of power with respect to our clients. So we're, we're thought of or we're seen as an expert and have a particular authority. So we might have a title that comes with us or we work for an employer or a workplace that often has the ability to deny or to refuse clients access to a particular service or support and we've really got to be aware of that power imbalance in relation to us and our work with clients even if we don't see them as vulnerable in other settings so that client might come to us in private practice for example and we have to respect that in those sessions we see them as vulnerable we have a power dynamic there at play even if once they leave those sessions they are successful employed people who manage teams or have children or care for parents and they, they're contributing to their community in a wide range of ways. But in our interaction with them, they're in a position of vulnerability and we're seen as the experts. So there is always a bit of a power dynamic there that we need to be aware of. That then comes with a number of responsibilities. So we need to make sure we respect the client and meeting them where they are. So we need to be aware of our limitations, what we can do professionally and what we can't do. So we might have had some introductory training to something but might not be ready to do a whole um, delivery of a service based on that particular content. So we might have done an introduction to motivational interviewing but if we're not confident in using that, if we're not ready uh, to deliver sessions through that perspective there may be something we don't do so we really need to be aware of what we can and can't offer we need to ensure what we do doesn't harm the clients and that's really important so we're also looking at in the short term but then also in the long term are we creating independency are we putting that client in a position where they they need us or we feel good by them needing us and we really want to check in with ourselves with our emotions and make sure that what we're doing doesn't harm our clients. Our actions should be based on the needs of the client. So we need to keep monitoring the need of the client, what they're coming to the service for, what their outcomes and goals are around engaging with us. And I like to think of my role as something that I wish didn't exist. I want to get people to a point where they don't need to be seeing me. So my goal often is working with a client and I've worked with them in a range of settings to build skill, to build confidence, to build knowledge, to resource them and to give them access to things where they don't need me. So that's part of my philosophy. And I think it's a really good one to kind of consider around, 
Are we doing things that will get the client to where they need to be so that they don't need to access us? Uh, we need to be trustworthy and responsible and we need to be truthful and honest. And part of that truth and honesty comes with my earlier point about understanding our skill set and not committing to a course of treatment that perhaps we're not in the best position to deliver, but also around letting clients know where those limitations are. So being honest around boundaries of your role, what you can and can't offer, and being really clear about that up front. And if you don't know something, it's always a, a helpful thing to say, thank you for your question, let me get back to you with a bit more information or with some appropriate resources. So being really honest about that. Awareness of boundaries in the profession has been long-standing, and we know that relationships are a key part of social work practice, and we can't have those relationships without really understanding boundaries and how they impact us and our clients. Every situation needs to be taken on its own merits, and I think that's what makes this so difficult. So there's no book or guide that can cover all possible situations. And it's really good to have a supervisor or group supervision that you can discuss specific cases. So I know we talk about supervision often in this podcast, uh, but it is so crucial and so important. And I think it's one of those ethical responsibilities you have to make sure that you're getting adequate supervision. So if it's not provided to you in your workplace, I'd encourage you to find either a peer network that you can gather with and have these discussions. Maybe it's a practice group that you can join or perhaps it's something that you need to pay for so you can make sure that you're meeting those ethical requirements, you're learning, you're developing, you're monitoring your risk of burnout and you're continuing to monitor your boundaries and what what you're doing, how you're managing your emotions and what you bring to those interactions with clients. So boundaries in terms of sharing with clients. So in practice, boundaries requires ongoing reflection, thought and readjustment. It, it doesn't just happen where you think, I have great boundaries and I know how to respond in all situations because we can't know what's going to be around the next corner and what our clients are going to bring to us. So it can be a very... Uh, slippery slope and we need to make sure that we're on on check and on point with that so one of the difficult boundaries that I find um, comes up a lot is when we have clients that urge us to provide special treatment so that's something you need to consider if someone's asking something of you and you're thinking about doing it that's different to how you would treat other clients Perhaps that's a bit of a boundary issue and that's something worth checking into. So we're going to be looking at, you know, those examples where someone might ask you just to do that small favour or just to do that little bit of extra overtime or to just offer that little bit of extra support. And that becomes a slippery slope where you're giving a little bit more and a little bit more and you're working with people often who maybe are quite happy to receive that service or really want to get uh, the most out of it. So we want to keep those boundaries really clear about what you can and can't offer. So some situations uh, that might be blurring boundaries is when you start spending more time with one client more than others. So if you notice that you're spending a lot more time with someone, perhaps you get along really well with them or you find their needs so great that you're prioritising them over other clients with similar needs because of a, of a connection. So that's something to be really mindful of. Paying for things out of the worker's own pocket, that's a very big boundary issue and it's something I would really encourage you to talk about with managers and with supervisors. 
seeing the client outside of work hours that's a really big one there we really want to make sure that we're putting in those boundaries so that when you clock off you you can leave work you can maintain your well-being you can set some appropriate limitations to what you can and can't offer and another particular situation that I want to highlight is sharing too much information or details about personal life and I'll go into that a little bit more later around how do we use stories that have got a really good clear message as an example to motivate change in a client and when is that boundary becoming too blurred where we're sharing some of our own stories in more of a dialogue almost like a friendship with the clients we really want to make sure that we're not doing that so the kinds of things you should consider is you know how would you and you can talk about these in supervision you can have a think about them as we're as we're going through this episode you know what might you do if you bump into a client out in public while doing grocery shopping with your partner this might be something that's more likely to happen in smaller communities or if you live close to where you work Uh, what do you do do you ignore them do you say hello do you introduce them to your partner you know how do you handle that situation and perhaps if you work somewhere very close to your community you might want to have those conversations with the client in session around what you might or might not do I work quite close to where um to where I live and I quite often bump into some of the people I work with and I will tell them in a session if I see you out and about I won't approach you and introduce myself to your friends or children or whoever you're with, but if you come and say hi, I'll say hi back. So I want you to maintain that anonymity so you don't then get asked by the people you're with, or who's that and how do you know them? And if you choose to ignore me, that's totally fine. I won't take it personally and we can have a chat in our next session. So I really want to make that clear to people about what they can expect from me if I see them out in public. In residential settings, you might want to think about what do you do if a client comes to you after hours when you're off shift? Uh, what do you do if you're you know, about to have dinner or you're winding down for the night and they come to you because they have a good connection with you or for whatever reason? How do you handle that situation? Do you resolve it, send them off back to their, their room or their unit or wherever it is that they're staying and say you'll pick it up? Uh, the conversation up at the next shift so have a think about what are those boundaries what's expected of you within your role and when are you blurring that line a little bit between being a friend and being a worker Uh, some of the other situations to consider is what do you say if a client asks you about your personal life if you have a partner if you have children what do you do in those situations Uh, another one to consider is personal boundaries around touch So if a client hugs you at the end of the session, what do you do? How do you explain that it's inappropriate to hug and you need to keep the relationship professional? Do you do it in that moment? Do you follow up with that in another session? How do you manage those boundaries? Is it different for children? Is it different if it's someone of the same or opposite gender? And what are some cultural considerations you might need to have around personal boundaries and uh, physical touch? So one of the things I really want people to think about is we want to remain focused on meeting the needs of the clients rather than our own personal needs. So, And that can be really hard because we can become quite invested with clients. So we want to think about and evaluate 
other avenues of support so for us and for clients so for us in particular that might include professional counseling clinical supervision and ongoing professional development and training and we need to critically evaluate whether a career change might be necessary for the protection of ourselves and our clients if we're starting to blow those boundaries if we're finding we're at risk of burnout if we're not able to separate work and home life and personal life it might be worth having a bit of a reflection if it's something that you can keep doing now when it comes to sharing uh, personal stories I really want people to consider what the message is so are we using an example that tells a story and has a narrative of a particular example with a positive outcome in the end so if we're talking about uh, if we're peer workers or if we've got a lived experience of a particular issue we need to be aware that we still have are expected to have professional boundaries, but we also might be required to use some of our own story to support that client's process of change. So in those examples, I want you to really think about, maybe even have a handful of examples and stories that you've you've kind of prescribed or thought about from your personal story, from your personal journey, that might include what you're prepared to talk about. And that's when you would have a message of hope and recovery at the end. So you might say, I've had moments of, uh, you know, someone might ask you about if you've ever sought counselling for a problem and you might want to disclose that to encourage them to keep going. So you might say something like, I've had moments in my life when I've required a little bit of extra support. It's taken a couple of tries to find the person that's the right fit, but once I found them, the work was so valuable and I'm so glad I did it. So you can still share a little bit of your journey without it being too personal and without giving away too much detail. That's not necessary to implement. I mean, it's not necessary in those moments to help the person move through their problems. But that example can be really valuable for them to know, oh, okay, so this is quite normal. You might have made it a safe place to talk about by sharing that you've had moments when you've engaged in professional help and if you have had difficulty finding the right counsellor you might be able to say that so instead of saying oh I know what it's like all counsellors are crap and you might never find the right one that's not super helpful for a client so we really want to emphasize that there's a message of hope at the end so after a number of attempts I kept trying but I found the right fit and it's been really valuable so it's keeping things very vague specific to a particular issue with a key message of hope at the end of that so if that's something that you do in your role perhaps it's worth writing down a few different ideas around examples of uh, frustrations or challenges or barriers that you might want to use a personal story but without too much detail so we want to take them on a bit of a journey we want to have a bit of a narrative with a positive end goal positive story at the end of that So that's just, so there's some of my ideas um, around boundaries for clients and boundaries for sharing your personal story. The last bit I want to talk about is how do you set boundaries for what you can do within your organisation and your personal life? And I think that's something that social workers can really struggle with. A lot of people are very keen to help out their teammates. They're very eager to 
support each other. They want to do the best work that they can. And that can be really difficult when you're stretched. A lot of workplaces are financially stretched and maybe low on staff and there's constant work that needs to be done. So how do you carve out time for yourself to recharge, to recalibrate, so you can do the work that you love doing for longer? Because if we burn out, if we don't have those boundaries in place, we can't do the work that so many of us really love and enjoy and value. And that requires you to have a think about what you can cope with and day to day that might change so there might be a particular day where you've had a poor night's sleep maybe your health is a little bit off perhaps you're getting a cold or you've had a fight with a friend or partner maybe on those days you let your team know I'm going to take a little bit of a back seat perhaps I'm going to do some admin today that client's really difficult I don't know if I'm up for it can it be a two-person visit so have a think about what's available to you so you can look after yourself. Perhaps you schedule your appointments a little bit further apart so in the middle you can have a 10-15 minute break. Maybe it is going and getting coffee, going for a walk, chatting with a friend, you know, reading a chapter of a book, something to keep you from running out of energy, from running out of compassion, from having no empathy left because if we're not putting in those boundaries we run the risk of burnout. And the same goes for friendships and partnerships. And I think, you know, if, if your partners or your friends or family don't work in the field, they might not understand some of the things we deal with day to day. So, you know, 90 to 95% of the things that we see or that we encounter, most people might not hear about, most people don't see. So we often see people out there most vulnerable, in some really difficult situations, whether it be with homelessness, mental health, uh, physical illness, palliative care, trauma, alcohol, drug use, child protection, disability. We're seeing people with a whole wide range of really challenging situations and that makes up most of our caseload most days. And we really need to be mindful that there are some days where we might need to check out when we get home. How do you tell your partner, I really want to hear about your day. I've just had a really difficult session. I just need a little bit of time. So I want you to have a think about how you can frame that, how you can phrase that in a way that's not uh, abrupt or rude to those people that love and care for you and you love and care and, and are in your life. And how do you know what you need? So what are your warning signs? If you're coming home from work and you find yourself getting really cranky at every red light that you get or you're, you're completely stressed about dinner and you feel really panicky or perhaps you're just really irritable, maybe that's your warning sign. So what are your warning signs? How do you know you're not traveling well, that you're at capacity? And then how do you tell those around you? So do you send your partner or your, your housemates or your family a little emoji that kind of says, thumbs up, I'm great, see you, and if, you know, on my way home, can I pick up anything on my way, or thumbs down, this means I need a bit of a break. So have those ideas, and it's okay to say no. Often we hear about people saying yes to things, and New Year's resolutions are, I want to say yes to more things, and sometimes we need to say no. It doesn't have to be rude, it can be, thank you, I'd really love to, now's not the right time. And that can be social events, that can be additional responsibilities at work, but it's really key to be strong with those boundaries. You know, we think about times that are really busy, 
you know, Christmas is always one for me. And sometimes I just think if I get invited to one more Christmas party, I'm just not going to cope. So it's okay to say, I'd love to, I just can't, or thanks for the invite, but I have something else on. Or if someone says, oh, we're having a barbecue, are you able to bake a cake? And I know I'm absolutely slammed that weekend and I'm really overwhelmed and I'm still working on a full caseload and on top of that I have to bake a cake. Perhaps that weekend I say, look, I really can't. Is there something else I can bring or is it okay if I buy something? So it's okay to say no. It's okay to say you can't do something. And it's okay to tell someone, can I have a think about it? Let me check my schedule and I'll get back to you. So you don't have to make that decision right away. Often we really want to help people. We want to help our friends. We want to help our family. And so we might volunteer our time. And then we find ourselves resentful or just burnt out or stressed that how are we going to make all of this fit? So this could be an episode that goes on for ages and ages. And I'm sure it's a conversation that I'll have at a later date with some of our guests Uh, Coming up in the next few weeks, we have some really interesting topics, so I'd really love for you to listen. Um, Get in touch, uh, join the Facebook group, you can email me, join the mailing list. I'd love to hear about the sorts of things you think will be really helpful. Maybe it's the things you wish you knew when you were starting out, or maybe you have some questions about particular sectors, particular topics that you want to hear. Reach out. I'm addressing a lot of people's uh, topics over the coming months. So coming up in our next episode, I'll be interviewing Dr. Claire Kelly and we'll be talking about mental health first aid. So mental health first aid Australia, we'll talk a little bit about the organisation and how it started and about some of the particular courses that are available. So there's a range of mental health first aid courses that people can do Then we'll have a bit of a chat about the research behind those. And then we'll look at help seeking behaviour and what are some of the barriers to help seeking. So... I hope you can tune in and the next episode and listen to me interview Claire. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the mailing list, uh, rate, review this podcast, share it with friends and family, anyone you think might find it interesting. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and I hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode's resources and don't forget to click subscribe and review us wherever it is you get your podcasts.